Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Do you prefer your podcast to have solo narrators to two people telling private jokes? Are you looking for a podcast that is about true crimes and unsolved mysteries and not, I repeat, not two friends hanging out and rambling about nonsense? Do you like podcasts that stay on topic 100% of the time? If you answered yes to these questions and reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast, it's not for you or the folks that left us those one-star reviews. We are just two pals who love the 1990s show Unsolved Mysteries and have no interest in actually solving mysteries from the episodes we watch and recap. Come get spooked with me, Robert. And my friend and relatively normal woman, Crystal, every two weeks as we talk stack, ghosts, UFOs, food, and occasionally crime on Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries Podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, where this season we're talking and tackling all of the Predator films. I'm Rob Schulte with Bill Tilly. Hey, Bill. Hey, Rob's. How are you? Oh, man. I am feeling good. How about you? I am feeling pretty good. Even after watching this movie, I still feel pretty good, but we'll get into that later. Today is an adventure for many, many reasons, mostly being that this probably feels like the most fluid intro for this podcast up until this point. A little bit. Uh, this is a, an adventure for you and I. We're in the middle of making a few changes to the show, and we've upped our game, I think. This is now an actual adventure in podcasting that we are going on. So yes. we couldn't have picked a better time to do it. I couldn't have had a better friend invite me on this journey, and I don't think we really could have picked a better franchise to start with than this one. So it's a yeah. blast, and I hope everybody out there listening has a blast with us. Yeah, uh, as super, super fans probably already know, Bill, that we're planning on releasing this Predator series uh, for Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a another podcast feed that will be populated in the future, but much like the Predator themselves, the alien itself, xenomorphs, and many monsters, goblins, and goons that we'll encounter on this podcast they evolve, as did what we were doing on the podcast, and it just couldn't be forced into horror anymore. From the beginning, it was hard to pin this down as a horror-themed series. Well, it was a little tricky in the sense that there, all the elements are there, but when you really tune into a genre, it has to be the overwhelming aspect of it. And it worked for it, but it, we really taught us is that 
you and I have a lot of fun doing this. And at the end of the day, we just don't want to be hemmed in by one particular kind of movie or one particular sort of genre. So we have turned this into an adventure and we are going to stretch it out. Therefore, we did a little little this, a little nip and tuck in that. And we have come out with this new version of the show. But rest assured, the pumpkin spice brand and genre is alive and well. Halloween is always coming, everybody. And honestly, I'm looking forward to it because... Halloween movies and those kind of movies, not my first love, but Rob is a connoisseur of things. And I love watching things Rob tells me to watch because I love talking to Rob's about the things that we watch. So it's all good. I'm not the sort of person who has a really fancy haircut and does like YouTube videos about horror. No, I just think they're ridiculous. I mean, no. the whole genre is silly. And I love no, it. You and I keep it in audio where it belongs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bill, I... On the, you know, we'll get to The Predator 2018 here in a second with all of its nips and tucks itself. I wanted to tell you, I started, I got a notebook this week. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Columbo, she went out to the shop and she was like, I don't know. It's kind of like, I thought you might like this. And it's like a pretty durable spiral ring notebook. It is not your standard mead, you know. Uh, Yeah. your old college rule. Yeah, it is. It's got some heft to it. Ah. And on the front, there's like little doodles of all of these fantastical creatures, like a unicorn or like some troll like thing. And I was, man, I've always had like inklings of like fantasy stories, you know, and I'm not talking like feet or something. <laughs> I'm talking, you know, like not Lord a, of the Rings, right? Yeah, not a, not a section in only, only fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, not that. Um, and I was like, man, I've always had like these, like, wouldn't this be cool? Or wouldn't that be cool? And I was like, started to write down some of those ideas, you know, who knows if they'll go anywhere. But then I was really thinking, how do the single initialed authors of the world, like, where do they do it? And Bill, what would you do with a fantasy story? Well, it's not like I haven't come up with some ideas i know some of those writers they will just sit down and start writing some sketch out the entire thing from start to finish and they schedule their times uh, some authors don't know at all where the story is going they make it up as they go one of my favorite ones does that but i kind of get like the movie poster and to, for me it's like i see the idea and then i see the poster and the tagline and i see the yep. overall concept And then every time I start to think about a story, the first thing I try to think about is just the very first line. What's the opening? And just where is that going to take it from there? So that's kind of the fun part. I don't know that I could be one of those people that just makes it all up on the fly. But I I could bullet. I'd want to bullet point it out and then just go from there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you think, okay. And sorry, I know this is not Lord of the Rings podcast, but well, that's a movie. That's a series I haven't watched. Maybe that'll be something. Hey, we did it on Madrigal at the movies. Loved it. You did. And actually that was a lot of fun listening. Do you guys do that? That felt like I almost have seen the movie. Yeah. Well, Christmas time is just around the corner, Bill. Sure. Uh, The perfect time to watch those films. Now, would you do, traditional characters in your bill tilly fantastical tale would it be like dragons and wizards and stuff dwarves or do you think you would take that i always felt like it was interesting in like the lion the witch in the wardrobe where it's like and here's a fawn 
I don't know, Mr. Tumness with his <laughs> special skills. Ah, like a real Alice in Wonderland type. Yeah, Probably or like not. vampires. Vampires are weird in that stuff. See, that could be. I think the main thing I want to do when I think of a story or an idea is I try to think about a way to do it that's just not been done. Yeah. That's my overall goal. So yeah. to avoid a trope. Now, I'm not a big fantasy type for that with the unicorns and fairies and stuff like that. Not that I wouldn't. I just don't have those kind of ideas. But I think if I were to sit down and just come up with something, I like science fiction. I like fantasy. I like detective stories. And one tricky thing is one of my favorite authors says you have to write what you know. So all his stories are set in the city that he lives in and it makes yeah. it feel really real. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think that would just be the goal of that thing. But then again, I also like a traditional hero. So I'm pretty sure I'd, it wouldn't stray too far from that thing, but it would be a it'd be a nice idea to try and sit down. I like the fact that Mrs. Columbo bought you a dedicated book, much in the vein of all great fantasy things. You have a tomb. Yeah, exactly. A tomb with things like a Necronomicon or, uh -huh. a, or a, you know. I'll start signing books. it in blood when I know the page is finished. Yeah, I think the publisher will take that out of you if you actually uh, go for it. Yeah. So that's very much. true. Yeah. Well, Bill, before we get into today's episode, I should note that you might see Elvis's tail going crazy behind me. It's because now he has entered dream mode of nap. So we might even hear him on mic. It's oh, I hope so. I see him <laughs> back there. And let me tell you, yeah. folks, he is a lovely dog. Well, Bill, let's get into it. It's 2018's The Predator. I guess we should get into the mission briefing, right? And I suppose we have to, although we're going to have to keep it mission brief because yeah. this movie is almost indescribable. <laughs> I have a brief summary here, Bill. I'm happy to read it if it's my turn. Believe it's your turn, Robs. Oh, wow. I'm going to cede the reading of the back of this VHS box to you. I think that that's fair. I think our audience understands that as we evolve in a podcast that uh, they're going to cut us a little bit of slack and they'll have heard all of the intros of us making fun of us at this point in the show. Oh, very so, much so they'll be, they'll have been waiting for it the whole time. Oh yeah. So mission briefing, the hunt has evolved and so has the explosive action in the next chapter of the Predator series from director Shane Black. You might know him from Predator 1987 or Iron Man 3, which he directed, if you couldn't tell by the end of this movie. Now, the most lethal hunters in the universe are stronger, smarter, and deadlier than ever before. And only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and an evolutionary biology professor can prevent the end of the human race. I love it. It was great. What every movie needs is a professor in the middle of its action alien killing machine movie. This movie is not without its problems, Bill. We'll get into our segments, our classic segments. That's what people tune in for. But we have to discuss the film itself, right? I guess we do. <laughs> I don't see any way around it. There's a reason I had extended intro on this one because the Shane Black hired some sort of actual human predator, like a bad human being. And then Olivia Munn was like, whoa, fire him. That sucks. And Shane Black was like, yeah, shouldn't have done that. So instead of like asking for more time, they just cut his scenes. So first of all, like how many months went into this? 
if they had shot so many scenes with this dude that like you you think you can just edit around it i i'm not surprised because i read the note that you're reading this from and the only thing that gets cut more than the people in this movie is this movie it <laughs> was hacked to bits in its lifetime by the editing process apparently by the suits in the front office it had an ending that was completely scrapped and reshot wow completely redid the third act because the audience hated what they saw on screen what could that have been it was a different version of the end fight with a lot more gore it was shot in the daytime instead of the nighttime which is weird because this movie goes in to daytime before it's over with a lot of the deaths are different and apparently the studio thought it was too slow and too boring so they had to go back and ramp it up wow this feels like it comes from the like era and that we're not done with. Maybe it's always been this, Bill, but like, okay, we're doing another one, so we need the same, but make it bigger. So like the yeah. solution to this movie is okay, we'll just bring another predator that's bigger. Yeah. You know, it's I, like you've heard of trucks? Well, check out monster trucks. Oh, you've sure. heard of Predator? Check out Monster Predator. You've heard of Tyrannosaurus Rex? Check out Allosaurus Rex or whatever. Sure. You heard of Cujo? Predator Dogs. This will yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. The movie is a testament to something that you are right. This we both know. This has been around forever. That the studios, of course, it's their money. They want to be involved. They want they make their money back. Sure, sure. All sure. the money they can get. But they're not creatives and they're not creators. And I am not defending Shane Black on this because I don't think he made a good movie. Yeah. But between that and their involvement, you just get hash. And that's these movies are run by now committee, bank accountants, formula verticals. They don't want creativity. They don't want new stuff. And this movie is a monument to that. This should be held up in class as this is how you don't do a franchise. You don't do a homage. You don't do any of this. This movie just makes every decision poorly. And then, doesn't stick to it and makes a new poor decision and goes down that path. And it's just a hash. Yeah. I mean, this movie, you know what this movie does, Bill? It checks every box. It's like when you're like, well, I can do a little bit of everything. And it's like, well, then everything kind of sucks. Exactly. And that was something I noticed reading through these notes. And we talked about this a little bit before the show started. It's got some problematic handling of people with disabilities from the sure. things. It's got the trope of, you know, the autistic apparently kid who is a wonder child and can do super powered like things. It, everybody's just great at their job, except when they're not. And yeah. I think I could trace this back when I was looking at the notes. There is a note in the production that says this movie was shot with a lot of CGI blood, which you can't help but notice in this film. It's uh, yeah. not only is it everywhere, it's bad. With the express idea of being able to make a sanitized version of this to put out in other markets and other places, and they all agree to this and they think it's a good idea. Now, Rob, if you can't commit to what you want to make, you're not going to make anything good. You can't make dinner and leftovers at the same time. So, Oh, start, my God, Bill. Perfect. When you set out to do this kind of stuff, you're not going to make anybody happy, period. Shane Black said he wanted to make an R-rated movie that was a, like Predator was. But then you've acquiesced to this from the start. You can't do it. You can't have the trope and then be against the trope. It's You can't do it. It's just not going to come out with making anybody happy at all. 
Shane Black was like having a midlife crisis while making this movie. Um, the only thing I'm known for is my character in Predator. Uh, more thoughts on that later. But I think this that what you said about edited for TV is perfect because it's like our friend Mr. Pranica said about First Blood, right? First Blood and First Blood Part 2 are not the films you saw on television. No, they are not. And not just because of the violence they edited out, edited out, but like the stuff they edited out, even for time, mm-hmm. you know, like the stuff that in this movie that got edited out because of poor decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like it, there's a film in here that could have potentially been good. I don't think any of the dialogue helps anything. That's no. for sure. No, apparently there was some kind of writer in this one that you had to get in the most amount of fucks. In the dialogue in this movie. And are the jokes supposed to be good? No. Or bad? And like, they're like also disturbing some of them. It's like, that's like so many of the like jokes from the guy whose coping mechanism is just telling jokes now are like eighth grader jokes. Jokes that like people will listen to now and like maybe chuckle, but like chuckle politely. But if it is like your center of your humor, then like you haven't passed eighth grade in that sort of like montage. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's not so much jokes. I don't think it's that they're trying to, it's attitude. Everybody in this movie's, this is their attitude. They're all either smart asses or in the case of the guys in the movie, that are the ex soldiers that are supposed to have mental disabilities. They've been given tropes that lean into the person they are. It's Keegan. Michael key is in this movie. And you know, of course he's a very funny man. So they're like, well, let's let him be that way. But let's but these don't even the feel like of, jokes he would say. Not, That's why it's so, now it's so they, forced. It, it is. The whole thing is just, it's shoehorned in kind of an ugly way, I guess is the way I would put it. Nothing comes across well or... It's like shoe saxophoned in. <laughs> exactly. It's like Baker Street played through a, <laughs> through a drain pipe. It's just not going to sound right. Two broken straws whistling. Yeah, because there's nobody in this movie that that I find even likable. Not a single person. So everything they say doesn't help. It's just, I don't know. It's it's just a movie that's built on attitude, but the attitudes are all over the place, and they're not good attitudes to start with. So, I wish Olivia Munn was more of the main character, but she's very like tacked on, unfortunately. And our main character guy is so annoying. Yeah, I think anybody could have been the star. What I would like to have seen, Rob, you know who I wanted to see as the star of this movie once I saw him on screen? Jake Busey. Yep, 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 yep. Here's a movie that got Jake Busey as a callback to Predator 2. And in this movie, Jake Busey's character is the son of Gary Busey's character in Predator 2. And if you're going to do that, that's fine. Because there could be a lot of fun to be had with this. I like Jake Busey. I think he's fun to watch on screen. I think he's... He's a version of his dad, but he's his own thing. I loved him in Starship Troopers. I think this movie could have been great with him as either a angrier, revenge-seeking son, or just he's you know he's on a mission to keep this from happening again. But they don't even say it out loud in this movie that that's who he is, and I think that's ridiculous because I'm watching this going, "Are you going to say it?" Because I've seen Predator Two, you've seen Predator Two, so this movie's full of callbacks, but like you don't say it, so this just winds up confusing me instead of going, "Aha, I get it." I don't know what to make of this movie. And the movie shouldn't be that way. I should be riding along with it the whole time. And it's just 
doesn't make any sense. And then I shouldn't be surprised because this is also a movie that I don't know if you know this, Rob, had 45 minutes of Edward James almost in it at the end as a character, as an army general who comes in at the end. Oh, my God. And they cut it to speed up the film. They cut it. You had Edward James almost in your film and you cut him. I, I, and I would like to say out loud, I don't have a lot of experience with autism. I understand that what's a lot of the medical stuff about it. I get a grip on it. So I can't always say what's exactly right and exactly sure, wrong. Sure, sure. But, you but we, can, we do both know that these Hollywood tropes exist. And that's the problem because, you know, you see it on screen and that will kind of jump into your brain. But this one trope of the child who is troubled in some way, but yet yeah. the makeup is he's basically got a super he or she in this case it's a he has a super powered brain is just like that's not how disabilities and the fact that there's work. an actual line in the film that said some people say autism is the next line in human evolution it's so strange it's like what tack are you taking with the me movie uh-huh. i mean are you leading me to say that you know if your message had been, you know, autistic people can contribute just as much as a soldier or a biologist or whatever, that's fine. But the way you're doing it makes zero sense. Yeah. Absolute zero. Well, it is not time for the late fees. So don't, it's not an absolute zero. <laughs> no, it's not, not quite. yet. No. But we should fine. get into uh, maybe some military intelligence. Let me crack open the folder and tear off this oh, yes. band that's around it. So I've actually kind of used some of mine in this earlier part. Hey, me too. It was basically the bulk of my argument for the most part. But I would like to say in this movie that the uh, character of McKenna, the main soldier, his wife, played by, and I hope I say this right, Yvonne Stravowski. Who is Stra- it? Strahowski. Strahowski. Yeah, yeah. She was in uh, The Tomorrow War. She, Yeah, she was a blue. She was also in Chuck. She is an Australian actress. Really? Apparently, she's an Australian actress, and her accent is flawless for American. Oh, my gosh. And I I just want to give her props for that, because too many times that goes bad. And I think it's funny that most of the times I have problems with it, it's when an American actor tries to do a foreign accent. Oh, yeah. A la Kevin Costner in every four-hour movie he ever made. (laughs) It just does not go well. and It's not a myth. And she nailed it. So I just... Wanted to give that small call out on. Hell on yeah. Right Yvonne, keep, keep on keeping on. I was going to say when Casey Brackett, Olivia Munn's character, first enters the lab and she's like seeing all of the Predator items from the previous films and stuff. Like, I think that's a really good like continuity, like without being too ham-fisted. I think they in, ultimately end up being too tongue-in-cheek with it. But I didn't notice until I looked back at it that uh, one of the shelves in the background has the Xenomorph tail spear from AVP, mm-hmm. which we watched just a few weeks ago or released an episode on just a few weeks ago. Which we did. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Robs, because I thought you might pick up on that. Doesn't the official Predator franchise decanonize those films? Don't they push them to the side and say, nah, that's not really how that works? I think you're correct, but as everyone knows who follows Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure from episode one, they know that we create our own canon, right? We have to watch the Valverde canon 
And it doesn't matter what they're going to do because if really, if they're going to pull a movie from their canon, they should pull this one. Like, oh. I think that even both AVPs are at least more in the vein of you can see how they got there. This one is like, oh, we think we're so cool. Anyway, any other military intelligence or should we settle the score? No, nah, there's no more intelligence, military or otherwise in this film. So I think we are going to have to definitely settle the score. scores uh, done by Henry Jackman and this time around this movie really pissed me off oh with its why? with its score i don't think it meant to do it but this movie amongst all the sequel movies uses the most of dutch's theme now they'll call this the predator theme which is not true it's the music that plays when schwarzenegger and team are on screen in the first movie that's their theme yeah. that belongs to them i'm a big proponent of that's your theme that stays your theme. You don't get to reappropriate. Unless in the other movies, if you have a little callback or they were looking at a picture of Dutch and that music played in the background, that's fine. They use the shit out of that in this movie. It is every turn. Everybody that comes on screen, the main hero, quote unquote, the ancillary characters, the evil government operative Traeger, when he comes on screen, they play this. And I was like, no movie. And None of these people are likable. It spoils no. the feel of it because it's like uh, you're just pretending to be something you're not. Just essentially like knowing what's going through Shane Black's head the entire time, even if he doesn't know what was going through his head. Yeah, it's you like know? they were subconsciously trying to lead us to go, see, isn't this cool? It's like the first yeah. one. This is stuff like the first yeah. one. You're going to yeah. want to like this. Isn't this great? And no, no, it's not. So. Don't don't spoon feed me the the easy stuff. You know, it's like when someone tries to be like, and see, they set this like trying to explain to you like why something works in a movie. That's like, well, yeah, I've also been watching the movie. I know yeah. that when he opens that door, the bucket's gonna fall. You know, yeah. and and if a homage or a callback is done right, it's organically in a way that if you've never seen this movie, it still makes sense to you. If yeah. somebody turns around and goes, oh that's the guy's son from predator two. And you go, ah, okay. You know, it doesn't affect your viewing of it. It's just something I know that you don't. Cause I've seen the other thing, but this movie is just constantly doing the whole thumbs up to camera going, check it, check the box. Dude. We've used all the lines. We've done all the callbacks. We've altered it's, a few. It's going to be great. I am so frustrated with this film and happy that we only really have one more predator film to watch and our Valverde canon. But I can't imagine that 2010 is going to be any like that. 2010, I haven't seen it. You have. I have seen Feel, it. It feels like 2010 is going to be like the Jason X. Don't be too sure. All okay. I'm going to say is don't let the Predator affect your feelings about Predators. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go into some playback time. Now, Bill, playback time is the segment where we talk about the scene we would like to replay, rewatch. Maybe the most fun. Maybe it had something to do with the show. And I'm going to need some help, Bill, because I, I honestly don't know what scene I would want to watch again. And I guess that is a failing on me because maybe there's even just like a hilariously bad scene. But I think of that predator giving the like dead armed thumbs up through the Brinks truck. 
thing and and I go, I don't even think I want to watch that one again. <laughs> I don't think it's a failing, Rob. It's not something I think about when we're watching these movies. I just try to let it happen organically. And the the one that has an actual rewind moment for me, and it wasn't rewinding because I enjoyed it. I just had to keep watching to make sure I saw what I saw. Towards the end of the movie in the final firefight, before it starts up, the Traeger, the CIA guy, the not Carl Weathers of this movie, by a long shot, somehow uh, gets one of the Predator's shoulder cannons and uses it as a weapon. He mounts oh, it on yeah. himself. And as they're out fighting the super totally predator, blinking, you make, miss it. Moment. Yeah, as they're fighting the super predator at the end, he's got the cannon up, and Olivia Munn's character yells at him, and he looks in the direction of her, and the cannon tracks, and he blows his own head off with the predator cannon. And I was like, "That that's not what we that what ha- what happened? Why don't those things have a safety feature? The machine must know I am on the shoulder of the same thing with the head." It's just this. It was so stupid. And the thing. Why did it happen so fast? Why does it? It's so fast. It's in the dark. It's almost barely on screen. And it's like this is your main human antagonist. I did miss it the first time. Did you? I wondered too because they they cut back so fast in the dark to Nebraska. It's like, well, no, that wasn't him. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was Traeger, and it was indeed. And to think that he got. Killed by a squirrel reaction. I mean, all it was missing was a wily e. coyote sign that came up from the bottom of the screen that said, "Yikes!" You don't make that decision to kill your main evil bad guy that way and just burp done. Especially one that's been like so cocky the entire time, like that. Like highlight that cockiness. Like yeah. he puts it on and it just self destructs. Yeah, you know. I, face facts. You, we want to see this character die. We yeah. do. He is terrible. He actually gets one of his men killed in a funny way for no reason when the ninja shuriken flying disc yep. makes yep. a return. So, yeah, I just I had to back it up a couple of times and be like, well, all right, movie. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where you're putting your time. So, OK, Bill, I wonder if you're with me and that, that that is my time to bleed. That was like that whole segment was like. I had to watch it again. I had to figure out what's up. It's the most meaningful death in the movie because it's the most shockingly, surprisingly terrible decision. <laughs> it was almost my time to bleed once I thought about it. But no, there's actually, for me, an actor that did stand out oh, wow. as having some fun or enjoying themselves. And oddly enough, it is still Thomas Jane, the Baxley character. Now, I want to say this by going... I'm sure just like in today's world in 2018, using somebody's personal medical challenges in a movie for a trope or for advancement beyond making sense within the film, it's frowned upon. It's not a good way to be. It's not a nice way to be to people. And you'd think this would be at this time this movie came out. A lot of these things would seem to be like a huge no, no. 2018, 2018, not that long ago, but Shane Black has Tourette's and that's why this character has Tourette's. So I'm, Wondering, does it affect how we see a thing on screen? Are we too quick to judge sometimes on an individual instance based on not having disabilities ourselves? I mean, is it is it a healthy bias that we first look at that and go, oh, that's not good because I'm like maybe it's a little sure. bit ableist of it. Maybe it's a, I'm sure yeah. they're making fun of him when in since when you find out that this is done by somebody who has this, should we think about 
finding out a whole story before we jump too quick onto a lot of things, because the answer may still be yes, that this is not a good thing. Well, I think I I totally think you're approaching it from a healthy spot. I think the Tourette's being represented the same way they're represented on any television show, really, you know, uh, cuss words, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They actually even make a joke about it in the hotel scene. That's like, right. Goes on about, 30 seconds longer than it needs to. But that sort of thing where it's like, okay, well, it feels tired. And I feel like I've heard people say like, this isn't an accurate representation, but then you're saying, you know, obviously the director seems to think it's fairly accurate, but that coupled with the depiction of autism tropes and then using it as this like magical power, you know, exactly. You're not helping yourself. Yeah. That's where I'm going to go there. I think you're right. Like, I think there is something inherently ableist on being like eye rolly. Of course, it's not like that. Exactly. And I I had a friend in high school who had Tourette's and and he didn't act that way. There's different things to that. So I do that part of it. So I'm in no way, of course, advocating that this is the right decision. I'm just saying, I think you need to make sure before you go too far down a blame hole, we can easily say this doesn't work in this movie, which it does not. Especially in movie criticism. Especially in movie criticism world, or, you know, this may be, that may, and that could be studio interference, it could be writer, it could be a lot of things, but it's good to at least know the whole story. So for me, it doesn't make it any easier to watch on screen, but at least knowing that the director included it for a reason. Yeah. At least makes me not want to drop the hammer on it as bad so quickly. But the thing about it also is, I can't help it. Thomas Jane clearly leaned into this performance. He rocks, dude. <laughs> he, he jumps on a flaming 11-foot predator with a knife at the end of this movie and takes it on single-handedly. <laughs> it may be for the wrong reasons, but he is just really having a blast on screen with his bit, just going crazy with it. And so he is the guy who is having the most fun for me. That's great, Bill. I'm actually Googling right now the Predator video game, Predator Hunting Grounds. Oh. Have you ever played this thing? And I wasn't Googling it because you were boring me or anything. It just popped up in my feed because everything's listening. And no, I haven't played I simply know why it exists and who's in it. So I've I've watched it online for the Arnold Schwarzenegger parts. And yeah. that's about it. I think I'm going to have to try this out for my Twitch stream. Now, Bill, we need to do some debriefing. Which leads into our, you know, very specific voting system that you come up with each episode. Bill, all I gotta say is we everyone knows our opinions on this film so far, so they're not going to change at the debriefing. No. But what I will say, and what I mentioned earlier, is that Shane Black really thought he had this clever idea of like peppering in characters that were like his character, but not exactly his character uh, from the first one. And so you've got a lot of bad jokes that like, I think you are argued away as being like, no, that's like the tone of the film, bad jokes. And you laugh at how bad they are. And that, I don't know, maybe in 2012 when like everyone's like making fun of like mustaches and getting mustache tattoos on their fingers, like, Laughing at the joke, like, oh, it's meta. Oh, it's so random. Oh, awkward. Like, maybe, but no, 2018, we're way past that. You guys need to get it together. This is not a comedy. It should not be written like a comedy. 
Joss Whedon, we all roll our eyes now at every Oof. movie he makes where people are like, well, I guess he's really is Iron Man when he irons his clothes or some shit. I saw on a on a Kill Count video, James A. Janice points out that it really looks like Shane Black could have stolen some CG from Iron Man for that final scene uh, in this movie. Like, it looks like it is from Iron Man, and it is so tired. It looks and like then when that main character goes, oh, I hope it in my size, 42 long. Like, first of all, the joke, hope they got it in my size, perfectly fine. I don't need to know what that size is. But also, it's bad all around. It's terrible. It's a it's it's bad. I think Iron Man 3 is touted as one of the better Iron Man movies. And it must not be. I, I'm really, this movie made me uh, frustrated. I was very upset with it. And I would like to know your thoughts before I apply them to our rating system. Yeah, I'm with you, Rob. It's one of our questions is, is this a good movie? And the final thoughts are no. This movie's bad. On every level, this movie's bad. You're right on it. It's 2018. They had the resources. This thing looks like 90s video game CGI. It is terrible. It's just terrible. The humor is repurposed angst from 87 that Shane's brought with it. And it just drives me nuts. It, It mocks instead of honors what it's trying to do, which is frustrating because the writer and directors are like, we're trying to honor this movie. And you're not. It's not. You cannot change the focus of the movie. Like you just said, it's not a comedy. Don't treat it as such. It can have humor, but it can't be a comedy. It is an R-rated action sci-fi thing. And it's also a movie that is a blur. The first time I watched this movie, and this is the second time, (laughs) it's been several years since I saw this first one, probably not long after it comes out. I remember I thought, "Eh, this looks like every other movie i've seen and it's you know kind of avp which avp had dulled us to what a predator movie was supposed to be but you're right at least those movies were fun in several ways this movie is no fun and the second time it's just trying to force a story from a stronger story in the worst way predator is great as it is with schwarzenegger and his team the concepts are simple the men are giant and heroic and that's who's in this movie and every movie after that which i'm going to give predator 2 an exception to because i think it's its own thing and works in its own way i've had a newfound love for that movie but this team like they're not up to the task of what that fit that first team and that one predator took out everybody but arnold schwarzenegger in that first movie and they keep giving us these lesser thans there's no other way to put it Lesser than McKenna is lesser than Schwarzenegger, but yet somehow they all have more powers. They all have more power. You know, they take a they take a beating for the and then they don't have it. Olivia Munn never gets a scratch in this movie. She never gets her hair messed up. They drop. They do the thing where they get more punishment than anybody can stand. Things just happen for a reason. Bullets don't work for ninety nine point nine percent of this movie. But so much of this movie is convenient. It's a mess. And I think it's just a schoolyard movie that kids would write standing around going, well, oh, no, no, my predator has a shield and it can deflect your bullets. Well, I'll make bullets that go through your bullet deflecting shield. And and I just want to say this. Bill and I text each other, but we don't over text each other leading up to the records. We do not. We're watching these movies. There's like three things I texted. Two of them were jokes. 
But the one was like, wow, this guy really took a shot of the alien technology that makes you invisible at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I had completely forgotten he had done that. And then he shows up and he's like, I was invisible. And, and you're supposed to piece together like, oh, because of that thing earlier. No, dude, why aren't you being invisible way more this entire movie? Yeah. I hate it's, it. Bill. It's a movie that forgets what it did five seconds ago. What do we, what's the rating system? Well, it's easy to rate this one because it won't take long. <laughs> there wasn't a lot in this movie. Actually, I thought about making it the invisibility dot because at some point our hero McKenna, he swallows this weird alien object was somehow not worried about radiation or foreign objects or whatever. It's the size of a golf ball. He can mail all the other tech home. Yeah. But he can't mail this home. And by the way, good on the post office because they get from like wherever they are in Mexico to where whatever city they're, they're Valverde in. Bill, they're in Valverde. And like less than a day. That's kind of amazing. But no, the rectal extracted invisibility ball is not what I chose. Oh. There's a scene towards the later half of the movie where Olivia Munn's scientist characters in the RV that they're hanging out in and they've gotten some goop from the last predator. And she studies it and it's she's like, it's spinal fluid. And she makes this huge scientific leap. And sitting on the table is a high school grade science kit microscope. Now, I am left with no choice but to believe what this movie has told me and that this microscope is magic. It is the ability to see things no one else can see. It has abilities to just see into the cellular structure of a species you have nothing to about that you've never seen before you can figure out all this great stuff so i just have to believe it's a magic microscope now i, I might want to put something under that magic microscope you might want to rob you may have something you want to unlock the secrets of the universe with this thing how many magic high school microscopes from one to five would you give up in order to watch the predator for one more day one, it's bad. I want to keep as many magic microscopes as possible for myself. I can't. If I have to give up any, it's one. It's a one. Ugh. How about you, Bill? This is a first. I'm not giving up any. Wow. And I'm of the opinion that it's hard to say that a movie is irredeemable, that there's nothing in there worth watching worth having at some point you find something even if it's a one whatever and as everybody will know our rating system uh, which we borrowed from other places which is perfect for this show is based on this movie you can't switch it back and forth between anything else i wouldn't give up anything to keep this movie it is mean and nasty and dumb and it does not honor the source material and it makes me feel bad for watching it because I just don't know how to feel anyway other than cheated out of my time when it's over. And I actually had a thought when I first watched this movie and I had it again last night and I'd see if you agree with me, Rob, at the end of the movie, there is a pod where the scientists open it up and the magic hunter killer predator, Iron Man armor flies out. Yeah. That yeah. Apparently in case you don't know at this whole time, this one predator is supposed to be helping humanity by giving us this stuff and showing that we can evolve so that we can fight off the predators, but yet does that by killing everybody that it sees. Yeah. Some sort of traitor 
Something like, like they call that. him a traitor at one point. We have no idea why. So I remember watching this movie the first time. And when that pod started to open, I thought to myself, Schwarzenegger's in that pod. Dutch is in that pod. They called it the Predator Killer. They're going to play that theme and he's going to pop out and that's going to be the next movie. And that's not what happens. You get the Iron Man armor. And last night when I watched this movie again, when that pod started to open, I was so grateful he was not in that movie because now I don't have to taint the memory of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Dutch with this piece of shit in any yep. way, shape, or form. Yep. It has no bearing on anything with this franchise for me, and I'm grateful for that. So I'm taking my memories and my five magic microscopes, and I am leaving this not even in the return slot at Blockbuster. I'm leaving it on the curb. Wow. He went there, everyone. And I'm not rewinding it. Well, speaking of Dutch... It's time to go, Dutch. We gave our thoughts. Now we want to get something back from you, and then we'll give a bag. You know, we get it. We get it. Uh, that's where we answer our mailbag. Now, Bill, this comes from Victor and Nolans. Hello, Victor. The Predator 2018 is notoriously horrible, like a special kind of bad. What two things would we change in this film to make it better? More guns? Eliminate characters? Love the podcast, and thanks for all the hard work. Well, thank you, Victor. Thanks, um, Two things. So I guess that is allowing you to say something, and I'll say something. It doesn't mean it's actually going to fix the movie, but if we were going to pick something, Bill, I think what I would do is eliminate the main character army guy get rid of all that side of it and work with the lab olivia munn and the bad guys who like the traeger who blows his head off right like you can build enough mm -hmm. of a story there you can get your squad that's what i would change how about you i would do roughly the same thing i would eliminate the main character and i would replace him with jake Busey. I yeah, there we go. Jake there we go. Busey's movie. He is the main character. He can work with Olivia Munn in this complex. And then I would actually kind of flip a trope on its end. One of the things about Predator movies is they're usually an unlimited amount of space that they run in. Mm -hmm. Jungles, forests, yep. cities. They do all this. I would go Resident Evil on this bad boy. And I would make this complex a very large secret complex with a very, very, very limited staff because this would need to be an actual secret. And if predators get out, they tend to be dangerous. You don't really want that open floor plan yeah. that our scientists have in this movie. Yeah. A lot of glass walls and glass tables and predators in the middle of mission control strapped to a gurney for some reason. And I love this is the predator that's trying to help us, right? He yeah. goes on a murderous killing yeah. spree. He goes on a murderous killing spree. So Jake Busey, Olivia Munn, and then take the whole location concept and contain it within this facility and kind of alienize it mm. and shrink it down to a very compact, small story. And it also gets rid of the team aspect because you know, the damn team's going to die. You know it at this point, yeah. you can't not do it. They're not all going to be standing there at the end. And I'm kind of over it because it's like, I already know part of the movie's coming before it gets here. So I'd make this a much smaller production. Gary Busey, son, going after his yeah. dad's you know the thing that killed his dad they make it a revenge story yeah they've you know we caught one from somewhere and he's like i ain't having it and it was i think that well, would be great i would say that excellent adventure fans 
should uh, write in with their fanfic. Use the hashtag B A R A E A. Use that hashtag and tell us what your fanfic is for this episode. The Predator. We just watched it. We just lived it again. Again and again. Now, Bill, I'm in a Predator haze at this point. Like, all Uh of the Predator movies are just blurring together to me. And have you ever felt that in any sort of film? Are you feeling it now as well? Not exactly. They're fairly different enough that since we've watched them in such close proximity... The effect of shifting from one style of these movies to another, quite jarring for me, actually. Yeah. Uh, they're never ones that are going to bleed together for me, but I, they do make me kind of a little bit shell-shocked for what could possibly be coming down the road when we get to our final movie in this series. So I'm a mix of trepidation and excitement on this deal. So if nothing else, they've got me stirred up for that. Love it. Well, I'm stirred up to reach into this pot of fresh, fresh questions for the podcast. Love a fresh uh, question. This one comes from Michael. Michael didn't tell me where Michael was from, and that's fine, Michael. I don't need to know anything about you. It's probably for the best. I do know your first name. You're right. It is probably for the best. Uh, Michael says, hello, Robs and Bill. Ooh. Hello, Michael. Switching it up on us. Uh, Everyone knows it's Bill and Rob's, but whatever. I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire on this one. Rob's and Bill, what a fantastic run so far. I just listened to your Alien versus Predator episode and laughed heartily. Well, I'm taking that at face value reading this. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you. Um, Have you all ever read fan fiction regarding Alien versus Predator? or ever considered writing your own fan fiction for any sci-fi or universe that you love. I added the universe part. They just said sci-fi. I'm just trying to expand the question a little bit. Keep making good podcasts, Michael. Well, thanks, Hmm. Michael. Thank you, Uh, The answer is the only fan fiction I have really ever read. Uh, two, Two things. Two things, Bill. Um... Before the final Harry Potter book came out, there was a leaked uh, fake final Harry Potter book that I thought everyone in my social circle thought was the real deal. And I got about two chapters in and it became a very, very slash fiction book. And I said, you know what? I do not think this is the real leak i don't think this leak is a real Mm. harry potter book and Mm. say what you will about harry potter's creator now uh going incredibly wild uh back then we all still cared a lot about the series and those who thought it was real were very very concerned with the uh direction harry Uh was taking Uh, and i will leave it at that um well, well and I don't even know up. if it was Harry or Hermione at this point, but there was just like weird spins. Characters were going evil, all this it, and and some themes in there that we just do not discuss anymore. But the only other slash fiction I 
guess. The, the only other fan fiction would be slash fiction, and that would be the uh, uh, story Adam Pranica wrote for wow. the live Greatest Gin Show. And at this point, if you missed it, you missed it, because I don't know if that's uh, coming out in the bonus feed or not. If you missed it, you missed something that is is not it can't be described it we wouldn't be, be able to do it justice no no never would so no I, w- I won't even try uh honestly you know i remember i getting on the internet in the late 90s i was pretty sure that fan fiction was nothing but porn that's oh. all <laughs> every time you found it that's the direction it took but to give an honest answer about that i've never read any predator fan fiction i didn't know any existed i'm sure it's out there i haven't looked for any um i did i've read some in the past don't read a lot now but um i wouldn't mind i could to read some i usually i'd probably have to be some kind of a recommendation for a thing sure. but as far as writing it when i was a kid i kind of did that anyway i wrote little stories all the time i've had a few ideas in my head that things that i would like to write i've even jotted down a couple of things on the computer every now and then because you, I would get inspired enough that the idea rattled around in my head. So I would at least throw it down. Nothing I yeah. ever completed, but sure. I would gladly uh, write a story if somebody wanted me to, if I had the right reasoning behind it and had know that it was going to get some kind of output. So I would be open to it. So, but you know, if anybody wants Rob's and I to write some fan fiction, please, uh, there are ways to get in touch with us to do that. Aren't there Rob's? Yes, there are. And let's get to that right now. I think first and foremost, the way to get to us is by calling the adventure line. Mm-hmm. 213 54, five, 61, 76. That's two, one, three, five, four, five, Six one seven six. You can call that number on your rotary telephone, or you can click the link in the show description. And everything we are about to say is available in the show description. Bill, where does that phone ring? So the weird thing is, this phone is actually one of the few phones around that is a mobile phone, but it's strapped to the back of a predator dog. Mm. That when the ringing sound goes off, the the dog takes off, and Rob has to chase this dog down and capture it and answer the phone that way every time. It's a lot of work. That is so much work. Oh, some might say too much work. Yeah, some most would say that. I think, well, actually, I think all would say that. But you do it anyway for the show, Rob, and that's what makes you awesome. Yeah, leave us a voicemail. We'll answer it uh, on a future episode. Or, hey, if we get enough of them, Bill, we're going to do a whole mailbag episode. Because right now, people, people, they seem to be wanting to write in a lot. We've been doubling up on episodes sometimes because we just want to get through them. But, uh, yeah, if you would prefer to write an email in and ask us or just uh, let us know we're doing amazing, which we always appreciate, yeah, uh, you can all. you can email us at billandrobs at gmail.com or you can join the Discord. Link in the bio. Uh, the Discord is an ongoing discussion of not just these episodes, but other podcasts I have made and just media in general, games, movies, TV, a lot of Columbo talk from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, maybe even some, maybe even some fan fiction after this. Hey, Who knows? you never know. Uh, people can also support this podcast and not through a subscription, as you might think. Some people like to go the subscription route. Bill and I uh, prefer to just put up a storefront, and that would be billandrobs.gumroad.com. Link in the bio. You'll you'll get. Uh, 
and it, you'll have the ability to throw us a buck and say, keep doing a good job without getting a surprise charge next month for that either. Uh, there's some other cool things you can get in that link as well. Uh, Bill, we should probably thank some people, though, at this point, shouldn't we? Uh, we definitely need to thank a few people. We need to thank, a f- well, first off, Draxium and Dr. Z for our theme music. It rocks every time we hear it. I love hearing it every week. Yep. It's amazing. And those guys are great. Check out their links. They have Bandcamp pages. They have their own original stuff going on. Yeah, We love them, and you should love them back. So get on there and show some of that love and click on their stuff and give it a try. It's a big old love fest here when there's hot, hot guitar licks like those in our theme song. And mm-hmm. then some. It'll and make your pipes. hair. Yeah, it'll make your hair grow immediately and just be filled with Aquanet. I, I love it. And, and, and I've only just learned what Aquanet is. But uh, we'd also need to thank Patrick for helping us edit these episodes. Patrick is also in the Discord, so you can uh, give Patrick a big old thumbs up emoji if you'd like to do that like to thank Jothan for our show art. It's beautiful and we love it. And it only had to go through one revision because Bill and I changed our minds. And guess what? Jothan uh, was very polite in saying, I will do that for you because I believe in you too. And yep. it feels good to be believed in. And then the final thank you, of course, has to go to Mrs. Colombo for QAing these episodes and telling us that they're either perfect, which has never happened, or telling us that we need to go back and talk more about the weird predator changes that have happened. Say, you you haven't talked enough. You've talked about the disc in almost every single episode since Predator 2, but you haven't talked enough about the staff. And uh, we go back into the studio and we record the, the, the pickups that need to be picked up. She makes every episode just that much better. Probably better than you or I could make it, even if we tried. Hey, guess what? When you and I are just recording it, hours on end, Bill, sometimes we just need that that person who's not in the studio, an independent thinker, saying, hey, this is good, but it can be great. Mm-hmm. And why not, right? We love all the help we can get. Bill, next week... Can you believe it? We bring our Predator series to a close with Predators. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a unique watch because we we have been watching these movies in what we feel is the best chronological order for the storyline. But it feels almost like Predators could be in... Any, we could have put it at the very well, maybe not before Prey. Okay, no, and we'll we'll be we'll we'll talk about it. we've already talked about Prey, um, but after probably after Predator, Predators could fit anywhere in the series because it's very unique. It is, and we did mess around with it a little bit, but. I think this was the right call, and I think everybody will understand why we picked this to end the series when they listen to the episode when it comes out next week. So you're in for a real treat. We're switching from the definitive article of The Predator going to the plural, baby. It's Predators. All right, Bill. I'll see you then. See you, Robs.